story didn't work out, mate. Um, you know, our <laughs> 10 years flatmates, but you know, it is what it is. Um, okay. It's always dark, it's just pull the dawn. Um, if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. Yeah, orange is not the only fruit. And um, let's go to arms. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, better, better team won. You know, we the they showed won. up better, more than we did. You know, um, the, they just the wanted it more. Is all the problem with France is you never know which France is going to show up. Um, yep. this year, the France that wins stuff is the one that show up. Um, yep. we weren't really surprisingly. Um, no. Hello and welcome to the Omcast. My name is Dom. As one half of the Omcast, I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello there. Tonight we're talking about the Apple original movie, Cherry, starring Tom Holland and Kira Bravo and directed by Joe and Anthony Russo. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's little Tom Holland and he's made it, he's, he's gone through, he's come through his stage of being Spider-Man where they have to make a gritty war drama. Um, they all do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, for, for, um, for Tobey Maguire, it was Brothers. Um, for Andrew Garfield, it was Hacksaw, Hacksaw Ridge. Ridge. And for Tom Holland, it's <laughs> Cherry. Um, you know, some of them choose to do it at different times. Some of them like to wait until after they've left the part. Tom Holland decided he wanted to do it now because he's a grown-up. He's a big boy. Yeah. Um, but here it is. Fucking hell, it didn't even occur to me. <laughs> oh, my God, that's fucking brilliant. And they okay. all, yeah, and they're always like PTSD riddled, like, look at me act. And like, yeah, well, we, all right, Spider-Man, chill out. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, struggling. Look at me struggle. Um, like, that's doing a disservice, to be fair, to Tom Holland's performance, because that's... Yeah, it's doing a disservice to all of their performances. Yeah, uh, yeah true. And all, well, Andrew Garfield is great at it, and so is Tom McGuire, really, but he's just a bit weirdo. Anyway, we've, <laughs> we've completely gone <laughs> off, off topic on a, already. Completely gone off on a tangent. So, Cherry, new film. Um, directed by the yep. Russo brothers. So this is their follow-up to the Avengers films. Um, this is what you do after you've made the two biggest movies of all time, although Avatar has just retaken that title, apparently, which is fucking crazy. It's um, bizarre. I know, it's China. It's weird. Um, but yeah, after you've made those two behemoth movies, you then decide what you got. Yeah, the world is your oyster. What do you want to make? And they decided to make this with Tom Holland, which is a book adaptation. What's the name of the guy who wrote the book? Uh, Nico, uh, bear with me. It's just gone out of my head. Um, dun, 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 dun. But Nico Walker. Nico Walker, right. So yeah, book by Nico Walker, completely fictional. Um, I don't know much about the book. I didn't know anything about it. I think the main thing that obviously has drawn the attention of people is that it's Tom Holland playing this part. Yeah. Um, and it's an Apple original um, and it came out last week. Um, we've both now managed to watch it. You've also read the book, haven't you? Yes. So yes, yes, I have. Okay. So before we get into it, then, what were your thoughts on the film adaptation? Um, Where do okay. you want to start? <laughs> I think we should tell the readers, give them a bit of plot first. So yeah. So the as, yeah. yeah. Essentially. This is about uh, a young man who is uh, somewhat disillusioned as a youth and then it's decides... Like who plays Spider-Man and decided he needs to make some sort of war drama. <laughs> um, so... And, yeah, he... Um, off he fucks to, to war, doesn't have a great time, 
comes back and develops a fairly serious drug problem. And that's about it, really. Like, yeah, I mean, the other element. Of everyone's it, that, miserable. Yeah, the other element of it that they they sort of um, play up in the in the trailers and stuff is that he gets in to feed his drug habit later on in the movie. He also he get he starts robbing banks. Um, and you yeah. have a set, a, you know, the film starts, you know, midway through one of these, and then does the uh, three weeks earlier, um, thing yeah, come circles back to it at the end. Um, so I know that's one of your pet hates. I hate that now. R- Rick and Morty's really ruined it for me, but now, but like, yeah, it's, it is annoying. It is really, annoying. yeah. How did you find it with this? Uh, yeah, I found it annoying because, yeah, it starts with it's a prologue and it's like because it, they've d- divided it up like a, like a book. They have chapter titles or parts. I think they call them parts. They part one, part two, part mm-hmm. three, and they have a prologue and an epilogue. But the, the prologue is something that happens narratively right at the very end. But we're just showing you it now, and then flashing back for everything else. It's like right, well, you've misunderstood what the, what the word prologue means, then, haven't you? <laughs> it's like it's yeah. <laughs> to do a prologue and then go three weeks earlier, it seems redundant. But yeah, um, I can get, I get the point of, but. To me, it's just a, it's a lazy way of grabbing people's attention. Yeah, it's a lazy. It's just you know we're going to start at the most you know exciting part of this story, and then we're going to flash back. It's like why don't you just start here anyway, and then we'll inform us from there on. Like another example, and this a film that it does remind me of, only on the surface level, I guess. But like um, Baby Driver. Okay, yeah. That movie starts and then midway through a heist. It doesn't then flash back to how he became like involved in the gang in the first place. Not there. You find that out later on as you need to know it. But it doesn't yeah. then flash back as to this is how I started my day. And then it led to this. It's like, no, we're in the middle of a heist. And this is where the film starts. This is where the story of the film starts. Whereas yeah. Cherry doesn't do that. And he does it in the way that wires me up. <laughs> but yeah, That's fair. That's very fair. Because yeah. I was like, as soon as it started like that, I was like... Dom's gonna hate this. <laughs> no, that it did, it did bug me, but not too much. Um, yeah, yeah, like I don't, I yeah, I have an inkling that you really like this film. Yeah, um, just from the way that you've sort of spoken about it, but not spoken about it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I think we've done right. enough podcast episodes to get a vibe of whether yeah, one of us is going to like this or not. Yeah, uh, I mean, we, like you can't always tell that. As we've we've got a friend, a mutual friend of ours, who we could, there is absolutely no telling whether he will like something or not. Um, yeah. I wish I, sometimes I wish I was more like that, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> this one, I'll be completely honest. Yeah, I did really like it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, I think part of it is like, yeah, I was just I was engaged through mostly, I guess, through Tom Holland's performance. Yeah, um, I just I found him like a a not necessarily likable, but an engaging protagonist. Um, yeah. and that is achieved through a number of different methods through him sometimes talking directly to the camera and then we have voiceover about what's going on in his head is very much in his head but it was enough to drive me through and want to know what happens next and and yeah. you know see see how it all plays out yeah um so yeah and i, and I thought the russo brothers did a good job in terms of it was very it was like creatively um directed i think but i think that's part of what i've seen in terms of it's had quite a bit of a negative, um, you know, critical reaction. I haven't done too much of a deep dive into it, but I was interested after having watched it because I was like, well, I thought that was good. So why is everyone, why do people not like it? From yeah. what I can tell, I think people are just, they're annoyed with the Russo brother and it's all like, they think it's style over substance. I can understand that argument, but 
to me, I thought some of the stylistic choices they did served the film. They, they worked. Um, yeah. I don't know. How did you feel about it? So I'm in that camp of it just, there was so much going on constantly yeah, that I it think... felt like a series of disconnected like music videos. Mm, yeah, and it was just one thing that was the next into the next into the next, and I was like, I'm like, I found it really, really overly jarring to the point that I was like, just, just be normal for a minute, do something that isn't something that you've seen in an indie film in the last fifteen years. Yeah, I feel like because it's got everything. It's got the. Um, you know, the protagonist talking down to the camera. It's got, you know, weird camera effects because somebody's on drugs. It's gonna, it's got like overly stylized like musical performances in there. It's got um like a character stepping out of themselves to see themselves. It's got like 360 camera, it's got everything in it, and it's just it felt so much of I don't know, it felt a lot like it was music uh, like college students being given a fucking massive budget i guess so i think part of it for me it will be a case of like i agree they use too many different styles and like there are certain ones that that work really well so like the one that sort of, i can sort of pinpoint straight away is like there are times when so you know a lot of this the middle act is tom holland's character who never gets a name by the way he's just mm. so he's credited as cherry um, but he goes to war. He's in Iraq, and he's talking to his girlfriend, played by um, Kira uh, Bravo, who we go, we both know from um, Wayne, um, yeah. a little-known uh, YouTube thing, which is now I think on Amazon Prime. Um, but anyway, yeah. he's talking to her, and they do this quite cool effect where she's on the phone talking to him, and you see it cuts back to her, and you see her face, but mm. her voice is like distorted as if you're just you're hearing it through a phone. Yeah. That I think is a really effective, like, way of sort of communicating that disconnection that you feel. It's like, even though you're talking to someone on the phone, you're, it's not never the same as being there in person. And that's something. Yeah. That, and by having that little um, audio trick in terms of changing the way the audio sounds, it gives gives that impression. It serves the story. They're not a lot of the other stylistic choices don't necessarily do that, and they're just there for the sake of being stylistic choices. Yeah. But I think the ha- there are a handful that work really well. Um, I just think the guys yeah. overdid it a little bit, um, and that's that, and that's what really sort of that's like a lot of my bugbear for this film was that it just never felt like I could sit down and enjoy the film because I was always watching like a cheap Fincher, yeah, I guess, or I like a like a like Brian Johnson without the benefit of an editor, yeah. Or without, you know, there wasn't, it, it, it always felt like there was so much to it and there was no tightening up around the edges. But that's that's what I found is it, it felt like a first edit. It felt like there was a lot of shit that they could have like tied up a little tighter and like this, there's like 30 or 40 seconds in, in a minute of a shot where you're like, well, that, you're just leaving that in there dramatically for, and you don't need it to be in there. Like yeah, the, the, the drama right. sells it rather than your camera work. Like I get it, but the performances that we've got are incredible. Yeah. 
you know, and but they're so oversaturated and swallowed up by this haphazard direction and like overly forced points where you're like, I don't need to constantly see the same thing. I don't need to be shown this all the time. Like you've shown me and you've told me that's, that's great. Like I don't need to keep having this point sort of reinforced. Yeah. Because, because one thing that I will say, like I'll, I'll get to the book stuff later because the book is the book is very different, but also there's a lot of similarities there. But there are also some huge, like vast differences. Okay. Um, specifically around the end. Right. Um, but it's yeah, like uh, so. Say so in reference to the book, without getting too far into it so far. In reference to the book the um half of the book is taken up with him in iraq yeah and that's probably from the end of the first quarter to well like like I say yeah like the, the end of the third quarter of the book um there's so much in it there's so much more depth and explanation as to like his treatment and the way that vets are treated and stuff that you go, okay, like I get a lot of this. Whereas in the film, it feels very sort of reactionary. It feels very sort of short, shortly sold. Yeah. Like there seems to be like an incident where he's that sort of defines his future from there. Uh, I don't know. Like, I really like. I struggle with it because some, like I said, like the performances were incredible. Like, um, is it Sarah? Sierra? Is it uh, Kira? I think you'd pronounce it Kira. Bravo. Okay. Well, her performances are great. Yeah. You know, she she sort of stands as like this young woman that's like promising young woman that's been um, sort of almost pulled back in her prime because she's sort of fallen in love with the wrong man. And then he's sort of gotten caught up in with the PTSD and the, there's so much of it that's brilliant. Yeah. But it just felt overly long. It felt really stretched out when it yeah. could have been a much more tighter, much more personal performance. And then the bank robbery stuff comes on fairly suddenly. Like, again, it does in the book as well, but there's like a narrative sort of reasoning to a lot of the stuff where that I don't know. I think it's very difficult to translate a book like this into uh, film mm. successfully. And they, they, they haven't. Okay. In my honest opinion, I, I wanted to like this film a lot more than I did but it felt overly directed, overly produced. There wasn't, it needed some more, it needed a little bit more time to breathe, but at the same time, it needed more time. It needed less time to just keep throwing shit at you constantly. It just felt like this mixed up barrage of stylistic and directorial choices that never really found its own voice. Yeah. And then which is a shame because you get like this defining 
act from Tom Holland. Yeah, Tom Holland's unreal in this. I think that's that's the thing, and that's something that seems to be universally agreed amongst everybody in terms of the the reaction to the film is that, regardless of how you feel about how it's directed, he is phenomenal and he's brilliant. And it seems like a bit of a shame that the the criticism of the film has sort of found its way onto him as well in terms of he hasn't been nominated for anything off the back of it. Mm. Which I feel like is a shame. I don't think he necessarily should win everything. You know, it's not like an Oscar-worthy performance necessarily, but maybe a BAFTA. No, like definitely a performance that sort of needs recognition. Yeah, but... it just it hasn't been. Um, and I feel like like the Russo brothers thing. I think it's a case of yeah, there's a bit of backlash against them because you know there's a bit of snobbery about these um, you know blockbuster guys trying to go go too hard on all the. Um, all the stylistic stuff, but I feel from their point of view, there it's like you can tell this is the first movie they've made outside of the Disney Marvel machine for a while because they it's because they have the opportunity to do all this stylistic stuff and get and be really dark and and you know and be as creative as they possibly can and no no you know Uncle Disney yeah. isn't going to tell them no they go for they go all out and it's like you can tell like all the any frustrations they had about you know, create creative ways of shooting things or doing things differently in the, in the previous movies because they've made what now it was Winter Soldier, Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame. So they've been in that machine for a long time, and this is their like release. This is their like right look. We can do everything we want. We're gonna we're gonna have a shot where we're looking up Tom Tom Holland's asshole. And like right, did you need that though? Did you really need yeah. that? Like. <laughs> that's what um, i mean and there like, are times there's... like that where it doesn't work but which is a shame because the times when it does work it's like that was a good idea if you just had a handful of them those stylistic things and let it you know and let them play out then it would have been a lot stronger but you chose to do all of it all the stylistic ideas because no one was telling you no you just went right well, let's do that then let's do that then. Yeah. let's do that then and yeah it ends up being a, you know a bit messy yeah and that's my sort of main issue with this yeah. Because I was like, it's such an incredible piece and it tells this amazing story. And um, so to pull back the curtain a little bit, when I was saying to you that it is fictional, mm. as the opening of the book tells you, it turns out that it's what's, oh, what's the phrase that's called? It's... Um, uh, auto-fictional. So basically, uh, he gone? is that kind of no, thing? no. Right. It's it's how his life went. Oh fuck! Right, okay. So he was in the army. Yeah. So Nico Walker was this young kid from this fairly well-off area who was just disillusioned, bored kid because you know he wasn't really into this or wasn't into that. He was in you know middle America at the wrong time. And then just got bored of doing drugs all the time was like, had this sort of Salinger esque outlook on life where he was like this disillusioned youth really into like poetry and sort of the beatnik sort of things. Mm. So he felt a little bit disenfranchised, shall we say. Yeah. And then, uh, so yeah. And then he joined the army and uh, yeah, joined the army whilst he was in the army uh, was doing the sort of same shit that he was doing before. So he was messing around, huffing what keyboard cleaner and stuff like that to get a little bit of a buzz. 
And then that developed into like an opioid addiction. And then when he got back, he started robbing banks. All right. Okay. And now he's is is that fictional? Then is it? I don't know because there's so much. He's very, very like guarded on what he's like. He's saying that he's not going to watch the film because it's not my. He's like it's not my story. Like they because they've made it very clear. Like the production of this was delayed because he was because all the negotiations and the contract reviews and everything like that had to go had to be done over the phone. But because he's in prison, he only gets a limited amount of time oh, shit, he's on still the phone. Prison. He was up until this year, I think. Right. Or last year. Um, yeah. And it's yeah, it's a case of like the the prison stuff really held up all the the issues around it. Like the book was written on a typewriter in prison. Oh shit, okay. So it's but it's described as an act of fiction because it's like a lot of the stuff that in it, the way that the things happen isn't necessarily true. And I'm presuming that the Emily story is less true because especially with the fact that within the book, um, as much of this film is sold off the back of the romance sort mm. of side of things. And it's, it's like, oh, do you remember where you were the first time you met the love of your life sort of thing? Yeah, uh, and that's like the opening line of the trailer, and it's all sort of, uh, you know, may as well be Radiohead playing over the top, and because it's sort of like this indie romance drama, and then it sort of moves into I don't know black comedy parts when he's like when things happen, something that happens within one of the bank robberies later where someone just sticks a finger up. Yeah. And just leaves and you're like okay it's just some of the things that happen in there but the book is like horribly unflinching yeah because everybody in the book is a bad person yeah and it's that's what i'm saying is like it's it's a struggle to try and sell this film off the back of the fact that there's so many just horrible we're not not horrible characters but people doing really shitty things because they're addicts yeah um, which is why I think it's like a lot more difficult to translate than it was. Yeah. And I think if, and again, saying about like the stylistic decisions, if, um, if they'd have spent more time working on the screenplay, which was co-written by their sister, mm. they may have had, I think a better result because yeah. it seemed to be a lot of it was like, now we're going to make the camera do this and now we're going to do this and now we're going to do and you're like okay now what story 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 screenplay yeah because there's a lot more in that than what you're showing and the troubles of opening up that this vast opioid addicted edition which is what the film is sort of supposed to be about isn't it yeah i guess so combination of ptsd and then the opioid epidemic in North America. Yeah, it's, it's the, the I think the cent- I guess the central um issue with it is that is he you know he comes home and finds himself addicted to this oxycontin and that is the main yeah. drug, isn't it? And then when he goes to try and get professional help, uh, you know, as a, as a veteran, as someone who served and is struggling with PTSD, they prescribe him oxycontin. Yeah. And then it's just like, well, it's just, you know, this this no wonder it's an epidemic. It's like, well, it's both the 
the illegal solution and the legal solution is the same addictive drug that can just lead yeah. you down a rabbit hole. It's like, oh shit, well, this isn't good then, is it? Um, yeah. And it's like the same problem with like fentanyl now. It's like, so like fentanyl is an opioid, mm. which is, you know, heroin, really. Mm. Heroin's like the, the worst one, but it's kind of the easiest and cheapest one to get on the streets. Yeah. Um, I but think, to, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't like, I think, like you were saying, yeah, the performances are, are amazing. Yeah. It's the performances and the relationships and stuff. And like I say, I, I didn't feel that too much. I knew it was like long. Um, and I remember saying, oh, shit, it's two and, you know, two and 20 hours or two hours, 20 minutes. Mm. But it didn't feel like as I was watching it, it, I never felt this is dragging. I was just, I was engaged the whole way through. I was just like, I was, you know, I was invested in what was happening. Um, yeah. And I think on those key moments when things happen, they, they know when not to use the stylistic stuff. So, I mean, getting into slight minor spoilers, there's an incident that happens whilst he's at, you know, at war in Iraq. Yeah. Um, there's an explosion, um, put it that way. And you see the aftermath of that. And that's where I feel like it's, they bring that, that unflinchingness that you talked about from the book comes across in that, because I think in most um, similar war films, what would happen is you'd see an explosion off screen. You'd understand why it was important to the character. And then it would cut, it would have him like dropping to his knees in front of the burning car or whatever. And then it would cut to him sobbing in the shower. Yeah. And that would be it. But they don't do that here. Here they they linger with it for the right amount of time and you see the bodies and see what the process of having to then handle those bodies and all that sort of stuff. And you realise, because it's important for you to understand that this is what happened and this is the kind of shit that causes everything that happens later on. And it's like, yeah. that's where the Russos are like, no, we get this is it. And they, that we're not flashing words up on the screen. We're not changing the aspect ratio. We're not doing anything stupid here because this is important um yeah and, and I th yeah i think the same thing can be said later on when they get into the drug addiction stuff they don't pull any punches like it's not a glamorized this isn't train spotting no or pulp fiction like there's nothing cool about the way they do the drugs and just and they yeah people are covered in shit people are covered in fucking puke and it's just like and, yeah it's fun and they don't pull any of that they show you yeah like and again, that's important. So whether whether where it's important, I think they get it right. It's just all this, the inter, you know the getting to, between those points. They overdo the stylistic stuff, I guess. Yeah, and that's kind of where I was struggling because, like you were saying, like as you're going through, I'm like, oh, this is good. Like I'm watching the, like the performances are good, and then they do another stylistic thing. You're like, okay, right. Well, let's just carry on. Like um, I don't know. It felt like an interruption, and yeah. you're like, like. It, it, it pulled me out a lot of the time, especially yeah, when was... they sort of changed the aspect ratio. Like, yeah, that was silly. And like, and like, like cutaways like... and you're like, well, I didn't, I didn't need a cutaway there. Like you can explain it. You don't have to show everything. There's yeah. the, the, you know, they say about, Oh, um, the only way that you can get out is to try and kill yourself. And then it's like, right, his cutaway and his cutaway. And it happens, um, you know, it happens to cherry, and uh, he has to go and do this. And then, and it's like, it's, it's a good anecdote in the book, mm. but it's, it's just a throwaway line, but then they pull you out of the narrative to give you 
what's would be sort of a throwaway point. Yeah, I guess when so. there's I so much there's more this... interesting stuff that they can lean into there because mm. again, like constantly being pulled out is what frustrated me. And then you get to these points, but by that time you've lost so much goodwill. Yeah. And you sort of go, well, they're just gonna fucking do it again in a minute. And then it was like it was about an hour in that I was so I was into the film. And I was like, okay, so they're just going to cut out a ton of like the wartime stuff and then they're going to move into this, which is fair. But like they can do like if they're doing these like real stylistic choices here, I'm sure that they can find a way to do this quick. Oh, no, they are doing it. And then I paused it. And then I realized um, that I still had an hour and 20 minutes to go. Yeah. And I just lost so much good faith by that point. I was like, I was sort of half checked out because it dragged so much up to that point with, and it dragged with a lot of stuff in it. It didn't just, just happen to drag. It was, it was, it was dragging and I'd lost a lot of faith in it, which was what was sort of disappointing for me because don't get me wrong. Like this isn't like, this isn't a, bad film Mm. i'm not going to say that in any way shape or form because it's not but what i will say is that this is this is a tough film to watch from a subjective point of view but also from i don't know like from a viewer because like i say because of those directorial choices and it's it's so over the top in places that it it became difficult to watch seriously yeah. Because I would be like, okay, oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, like I say, I I was engaged enough in the story and the characters that they didn't pull me out enough. They they pulled me out a little bit, I'm not gonna lie, but then like, I never felt like rolled my eyes. I never I never lost that faith. I guess all had that. I know, yeah, I never turned on the film, which just sounds like that's what you did. It sounds like but by that point you, yeah. you turned on it and go, I can't be asked for this anymore. Um, but I I never got to that point. Um, yeah, maybe it's because it was new to me. Um, and you just come off reading the book. Um, I don't know. There, there are lots of reasons why that possibly. Might be. Yeah, quite but, possibly. But it was yeah, it was completely yeah. We put it on. It was I watched it with my old man. He also enjoyed it and thought that was right. And then we had the conversation last night. He was like, I read a, re- a review of that um, cherry film, and they gave it a really bad review. But I don't understand it because I thought it was really good. I'm like, yeah, I know yeah. you too. So, and that we are too, yeah, we came at it completely cold and watched it on a Saturday night as because it was something to watch. And yeah. we sat there for two and a half hours. We didn't, you know, we didn't mention anything about it feeling long or anything like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Maybe we're just dumb. <laughs> well, no, it's, I wouldn't say that in any way, shape, or form. Like, and that's, you know, it's not, I don't know, an attack on your sensibility in any way i just think i don't know it's just whether it lands with some people or not and like you can like you were saying like there's a big division in the reviews yeah like some people are massively praising it and some people are not and i think like specifically there was so much of it that was over the top for me in a something that deserved to be a bit tighter yeah i just don't know i feel like it's one of those it's, there's too much context in terms of the the reviews. I feel like there's too much baggage in terms of the filmmakers. I feel like 
like if it, again, like can you imagine if the same film had been made and directed by someone who's considered to be, you know, some sort of alter, like if like because mm. the other thing that it caused a lot of comparisons to for me was um Jarhead. Yeah, so Jarhead and Full Metal Jacket for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but imagine if this film, exactly as it is, but it was directed by Sam Mendes, would mm. it be getting the same kind of derision that it's getting in critics? Probably not. They probably would have gone, oh, it's, it's his most, you know, um, visually ambitious movie yet. And he uses every tool and every tool at his disposal to, to get the point. Of, oh, it's brilliant filmmaking. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. or, or if I, it had been someone like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of another example now, but like uh, Nicholas Wining Refn or something like, someone like that who had done this, it would, uh, it would just would have gone down differently. They're not, they're trying to be indie, you know, interesting directors when like, no, 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 you're the blockbuster guys, fuck off. No, it's not that though. I don't think for, well, for me, I know it's not that because it's, what I got from it was because because people like Winding Refn and Mendes and you know Fincher, Kubrick, all these people have a very distinct visual style yeah. that is that has been there from the start and it's been I mean, refined yeah. over time. Whereas what's happened here is they haven't built on an idea, they haven't developed a look. You know, there's like the Kubrick look and there's the the wind and ref in like lighting and feel yeah. and combination guess, of these things. I guess part of it is because they haven't been able to d- develop that because they've just been stuck doing you know, a house style for the last five films they've directed but that's you know they have been at this for a long time like these are the directors these are directors that have been working consistently since what the early 2000s yeah on tv though making yeah but, and things like that so when it comes to like having a big budget to make a movie yeah all they've done is have kevin feige and and disney tell them what to do and then now suddenly they get their opportunity to do something different and they go a bit mad with it. Yeah. But, the, you know, like you get a lot of these people that have, um, you know, they've earned, they've, they've worked their way up. You know, yeah. they were making films in the 90s. Yeah. yeah. You know, they were, they were still making these films, but it's to develop this, the, to, it's to go from having a straightforward and generic style and like, like you say, like this Hollywood look and the, the superhero look and feel to going all of it. Yeah. Just all of it. We're just going to put all of it in. Yeah. And you're like, okay, but, but why are you going to put all of it in? Well, no, cause it's, it's going to look cool, but why is it going to look cool? Like, have you, have you thought about like the way that it's positioned? And have you thought about like the way that you're going to pull focus on this and, you know, you look at people say about like Edgar Wright, for example, you know, there's somebody that's, you know, that's that's worked on their craft, but they've developed it over time. They haven't done everything in one go because they've known when to pull back and when to push forward. And like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like the Hollywood snobbery of it. I think it might be a case of, it might be the other way around. It might be that like, you know, because you do get these altruistic directors that pull out from the Marvel movies because it doesn't fit their vision. You know, like we were saying about like Scott Derrickson and Edgar Wright, because it doesn't fit in with their vision and because it doesn't fit in with the way that they would sort of like contemporize a superhero film, they don't do it. And that might be the case here is that they're going, well, it's it's not really worked for us. But yeah, I don't know. Like it feels like there's so it's so much that it's a good film that's a bit but by 
coming off of the back of that and they've now you know they've oh congratulations you made the biggest like selling film you know the highest earning film in the world until you know two days ago yeah or whatever it was is it the point that they've gotten too big for their boots that they they don't feel that they can be told what to do that they feel that they can do all these things and that's that's not me sort of that's just me turning the tables on this and playing an advocate from it because i do really respect the russos as directors because of what they've done already but also going as far back as they've done when you're looking at arrested development yeah yeah because these are very very talented guys but it's I think that's another thing that sort of disappointed think, me here. I mean, they'll never get past their, you know, the, the, I think the best film they've ever directed still is You, Me and Dupree. Obviously. Um, so one day, they'll, one day they may get back to those dizzy heights, but we'll see. You know, uh, th- this ain't it. This we might get it. You, Me and Dupe 3 because <laughs> we all need those extra sequel monies. Yeah, just they skip the second one together. <clears throat> yeah. Well, no, they'll do the second one as a... Um, Straight to DVD with Luke Wilson. No, they'll do it. They'll be like, uh, they'll do it as the the epilogue. That'll be the third. It'll be the third you, me, and Dupree film. So we'll get you, me, and Dupree three is the next one, and then you'll be like you, me, and Dupree two, and you'll be like, oh my god, what are they going to do? And they'll show you the start of you, me, and Dupree three, but then they'll be like three weeks earlier. (laughs) Sake, (laughs) probably. Yeah. Um, anyway, we've digressed. Um, but yeah, it's it is it. Yeah, for its merits, like there's a lot of good in this film. Yeah. But at the same time, there's there's just a lot to. There's a lot that pulls you out. Yeah. Which I, I sort of struggle I, I with. Completely get why you you'd be pulled out, and I, I won't say that I wasn't pulled out at times, but it was never enough for me yeah. to disengage with it or or sort of lose my my goodwill towards the film. I think, and yeah. honestly, a lot of that is probably to do with Tom Holland. I don't know, like, if you had changed the actor, I don't know if I necessarily would have gone with it in the way that I did. Um, yeah. I think it, it just his performance is fucking brilliant. Like, I can't overstate it enough. He is great in this, and it does sort of, it is his sort of look at me, look what I can do sort of thing. It gives him a range and gives him... Yeah an edge to him that we hadn't seen before because we're, we're all used to seeing Maz Peter we're all used to him doing comedy and seeing him in interviews and all the rest of it and this is something where it's like oh shit okay and he's he's a nasty bastard he looks like shit he's but he really struggles with his mental health and you believe it totally um, and yeah that that's the thing that really sold the whole thing for me and that's what get, kept me going all the way through it um, yeah. So yeah, if you had switched him out and said, I don't know, who, who's an equivalent you could have put in? Uh, Logan Lerman. So they made this exact same film with Logan Lerman. I probably <laughs> wouldn't have engaged with it as well. No. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. completely, I'll hold my hands up to that. I completely accept that as a, you know, as something that probably coloured my viewing of it. But for what it is, I feel like, yeah, I, I appreciated some of the stylistic choices and I think they did definitely serve the story. And they knew when to dial them back, like in that scene I was talking about earlier. Um, mm. And they never, got, they were, uh, as frustrating as they could be at times, they never pulled me out of it too much. Yeah. Like, and there's, yeah, there's a lot, there's so much good to it. And I just wish I enjoyed it a bit more, but there was just too much of it that was front loaded with the, the hyper stylization yeah. that was pulled back as the film went on. 
And I yeah. don't know if that was intentional, but as it went on, like there's the scene, the scene, the, the biggest standout scene for me is um, when he's in the car after having, in, in his truck after having dropped somebody off at yeah. the hospital and he just yeah. can't process it. And he won't, he doesn't know what to say to the lady in the hospital. And she's like, tell me what they've taken. Tell me what they've taken. Like, you're not going to be in trouble. Just tell me what they've taken. Yeah. And he just still can't do it because he's freaking out because he's 23 years old. Yeah. You know, and yeah. That, yeah, that scene was and, unreal. And some, yeah, I think some of the strongest stuff from him was, yeah, when he's completely on his own. Um, yeah. Stuff in the car. Again, there's, there's a uh, standout scene for me where he's, when he's in Iraq and he's on the phone um, to Emily. Yeah. And he's, but you, you, you can't, you can only see, you can see him while she's talking and it's just him reacting to nothing. Yeah, and it gets too much for him, and he has to hang up the phone. And that again is just like Jesus Christ, this kid. I keep yeah. calling him this kid because he's he does look young, but he he's unreal, and he's got a hell of a career. Twenty four, twenty something like twenty four, twenty six years old, something like that. Um, and as much as I, obviously, we we've spoken about him as as Spider Man more than enough in our previous episodes, and as much as I would love to, for him to continue to play that part for as long as he wants to and can. I hope that he can still find the time and be given the opportunity to make stuff like this because he's got, you know, if this is what he's like at 23, the kid's got, you know, he's got some Oscars in him. Do you know what I mean? He's got some amazing performances in him to come. And if, yeah, if nothing else, then this platform and, and having these movies come out gives him an opportunity to do that, then fine, make another one. Yeah. Um, Yeah. In, and in, like, this, I will this is what you want to do in between Spider-Man movies, crack on. Like, yeah, definitely. I will say, like, I did kind of sort of break one of my rules and sort of read a little bit more into this. Yeah. Um, because the Russo, one thing that I will say is like the the fact that the Russos chose Tom Holland, mm. um, gave it an extra. Like you say, I think if if this film was anybody else it wouldn't have landed as well and it wouldn't have been received in the same way. And I don't think people would have um, like, like emoted with it. Like, uh, yeah, the, the, the empathy wouldn't have been there, but because yeah, it's Tom Holland, because he's Spider-Man, um, because he's got all these things, this stuff going on, it does help. And but also you recognize him as a young guy, you recognize him as a young, handsome guy that which you see at the start, you know, and he's in good shape, but he's a bit of a nerd and he's a bit he's not exactly like a cool kid that just sort of falls off the wagon. Little things like the fact that when he does go into the army, he doesn't go in there and he's all gung, he wants to be a medic. Yeah, well he yeah, that's the whole idea. It's like, oh, okay. And that, that again speaks to his character quite that tells you quite a lot about him. Yeah, Just that that one particular choice. It, yeah, and he's like, he gets assigned to that, and then he sort of goes with it, and he sort of tells people as he goes along, and that again levels like his character a bit more because it it justifies he's sat there and he's, you know, he's gone to Iraq and he's got he hasn't got any medical training, he's got medic training. Yeah, he's not the, a doctor. Yeah, what was the um? It turns out he's colorblind. And so is that is that a problem? Can I still be a medic? Well, you know what color blood is, don't you? 
Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's a good line. Like there are some good again. Like when it slips into that, it's like, well, some of this is all right, but you just you don't spend long enough on it. Like when they have the mm. whole all the um the drill sergeants and all their insults, and they have them flash up on screen in big giant red letters. It's like, yeah, this would have been fine if you'd stuck with it for more than five minutes, but you decide you just did it for a bit and then forgot about it. And it's like, yeah, you're, you're a dick with ears, dick with ears. Yeah, what is it? And your, it's your, like... mouth, your mouth is a cock holster. Um, your hands and dick skinners, um, all this yeah. stuff. And it's like, this is okay. But like, yeah, Full Metal Jacket spend an hour and a half on this. You're going to spend 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, and yeah, I know, that's, that's... I know I say this all the time, and I know it's really boring, but should they have made a miniseries? I agree. That's should... exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. Should they have made a miniseries? And then that means that every episode they can do a different yep. style and and like almost a bit like one division has just done they change it up every episode but there's there's something in keeping with it and it's like sometimes your life can feel like that it can feel episodic and it can feel like absurd one minute or you i don't know whether i'm you know in a tragedy or a comedy that is what life can be like sometimes but if that's yeah. the point they're trying to make with this then it might have been better served as a broken up six part or four part series rather than what they did which is to yeah shove it all into one and it ends up in this blender of different styles and tones and that's the thing like looking at um like zendaya for example so someone that's very much an equivalent of tom holland very much contemporary has just come through and done a series called euphoria yes which is dealing with a lot of very similar subjects It's dealing about like the opioid epidemic and the drug crisis in america with young people and uh, dealing very, very bravely with, well, I say bravely, it shouldn't be dealt with bravely, but dealing with, um, you know, like modern sexual habits of young people and sort of really focusing on that in, in a way that you're not going to have seen it before. It's done it in a real hard, quite gritty way. And sometimes it's tough to watch and sometimes it's really relatable. Sometimes you're like, yeah, I've been in that position yeah, I've had this happen to me and, you know, I've, I know what's happened here and I feel the same way. And, but they, yeah. Having, being able to do this as a TV show. Yeah. Would have worked better. Would have. Yeah. I agree. Would definitely work better. Yeah. But um, and that's, I've said that about, you know, generally speaking books, any book yeah. should, works better as a show than it does as a movie. That is almost like a universal thing. I haven't found anything that's not been the case with that, really. Um, yeah. I mean, there are some exceptions, I guess, but yeah. Um, there's and no- I'm going to fairly definitively say I do not think this is a a successful adaptation of the book. No. I think this is an interpretation of the book, and I would agree in the way that Nico Walker himself has said it's not his story. Mm. They've taken what they want from it and have uh, sold it as one thing. And when it's not because, and yeah. So spoilers, I guess from yeah. here for a sec. Yeah. Um, Because to say about um, 
yeah, the, so the the ending of this film is not the ending of the book. Right, does it, does it go on further than that, or do we not know? It doesn't even get there. No. Well, because that's the thing. I, it skips to, to 2021, and then you said that that's when Nico's due to be out of prison this yeah. year. So it's like, clearly they've got to a point now where they're writing ahead of what's actually happened. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it obviously he had, he's still in prison or is just about to come out of prison, whether or not. But then I guess the point of the ending is that oh look, Emily's there, whereas Emily may be a completely fictional construct, for we know. Yeah. So, fuck knows. Yeah, and that's kind of where it's you look at it in a way and you go right. This is so like a lot of this, yeah, is or sort of auto fiction as it's described. Um, but the end of the book ends in such a bleak way because it just ends with him having done a bank robbery and then he goes to score some more drugs and he comes back and he has a stupid conversation with Emily about the color of the guy's tracksuit, who he just bought some junk from. And that's it. That's the end of the book because there's no arrest. Like he knows that he's going to go to jail at some point and he feels bad about that, but he doesn't feel that bad about it. And like he fucks around on Emily, Emily fucks around on him. That you know they're constantly in this horrible relationship where it's just circle of abuse and violence and hatred, but also um, like vicious codependency when it comes to yeah th- their addiction. And that is something they do quite well in the film, though I have to say, the yeah. codependency and their relationship sells it. And again, that's something that kept me involved for the whole thing. Um, yeah, like when when they are going through their troubles and we have overdoses and all that kind of stuff, when they you know having arguments about you're better off without me or maybe it would have been better if you died. Like, what we're going to do without this person? The whole reason the whole thing starts in the first place is because he feels like she's leaving him, so he decides that he needs to go to join the army. Um, and yeah. yeah, just that that whole what when you get when you're wrapped up so deeply in some in another person, what that can do to you, it's like you know what that can do to your life and how it can shape your life um i think that's done really well and yeah and it gets that point across so yeah it does and it's because also you know the way that the book is written is that it's like women are written in a uh you know he he sort of sort of self-identifies as this as this sort of bro guy and then doesn't and then pulls away again and it's it's this weird sort of but also like very intelligently written book because it's as it goes through, it's it's written almost in the prose of the way that, you know, like an addict would talk to you. Yeah. Like the, this addict is trying to, you know, it's trying to get money off you and or wants to have a, a chat with you in a bar. So you buy him a drink. And um, it's sort of written in this sort of like relentless style that sort of then will then like turn back on itself and then, um, like towards the end of the book, there's this anecdote about a young, handsome, like Latino guy that he's he served with. It doesn't go anywhere, it doesn't serve any purpose. But what it does do is it it serves, and then you come back and you go, Oh shit, that's the end of the oh fuck. Like we're at the we're pretty much at the end of the book now. Yeah. Because it's they... told in this style, and then but then they've tried to do like a standard narrative and then tie on a happy ending to the to the last bit and yeah, They're like, I oh, think... and then but they were all in love the whole time, and you're like, 
but it's it's about how shitty they were to one another. Yeah. I and the fact that they... what kept them together was the drugs and then they got a dog and yeah, because they've, they they use the drug, like <clears throat> there's a line in it when they say, um, you know, we were going to get clean. So we decided to get a dog because people that, you know, dope fiends don't have a dog. So, and then we weren't going to be dope fiends. And then we, and then we got a dog. We were, and then we were dope we, fiends with a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm like, I can see now from the way you describe that, like there are parts in the in the film that are like that, like anecdotes that lead nowhere. So like, I remember the, there's the bit where there's the guy in the bar that he was asked to look after. Um, yeah. Who keeps saying, oh, what, you're going to you know blow someone's brains out or whatever? What, you want to do a thing like that for? And he just drops him off at home, mounts the curb because he's pissed. And then that's, that's it. And he goes, and then he dropped me off at home. I never saw him again. And that's it. Yeah. It's like that's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, it's, you're telling a whole story about this particular bloke that you met, and you've just set him up for, you know, five minutes, had a had a little conversation with him, and then that's it. He's at, in the film and then out of the film, and it's like, right, yeah, because that's life, isn't it? And that's the sort of reflection of I make these, you make these connections with people, they they're fleeting and then they're gone. Um, yeah. So I can see where they've taken that from the book by the sound of it, but then again, they haven't followed through on it, but because you know, yeah. it doesn't. I guess that doesn't make a good film. It just it would be too jumpy. Um, I don't know. Yeah, and it it would suit a good series because yeah. you, you it's sort of you're like questioning, like you you know when we talk about like unstable narratives and like um, unreliable narrators. Yeah, you know, and it's I don't know. It's tough because there is a lot of good to this film but i feel it's the direction that let it down and i don't want the direction to let it down because i really respect the directors for everything they've done now but all the stuff that they've done before like i said you know you and i were watching arrested development and community and like these comedy amazing things that they were putting together before yeah but then they make a you know flawed adaptation wasn't it them that made 21 bridges or did they produce Produced that it. That's the thing. Right. That's what struck me about this one is that they, they produced Twenty One Bridges, they produced Extraction with Hemsworth, but this is the first one they directed. Um, so they've got. It seems like now, off the back of their work on the Marvel movies, they've got like their production company, and they're spreading out and using all the Marvel actors to and you know help getting their projects done. So I know they had they had quite a lot of involvement with Extraction. Um, yeah. But then they but they didn't direct it. The guy who directed it was the stunt um, coordinator bloke. Um, okay. But again, he was the stunt coordinator on their Marvel movies. So they sort of got him the gig. So it's all interconnected. But this is the first one of all these projects that they've actually just directed themselves. Yeah. Because they're about to do the Grey Man, aren't they? That's the next thing that's up. Yeah. So um, it'll be interesting. That that'll be the real test. It'll be a case of, you know, is it if this was a sort of reactionary, they wanted to get all this stylistic stuff out of their system because they've been tied down for however long. Yeah. Will they settle? A little bit in the next one to get their, you know, get their actual style back on track, if you like. Um, yeah. And start developing their own style rather than just trying to throw everything in the kitchen sink at it. Yeah. No, I, I think that's good. Yeah. I think it's really, you kind of nailed it there. Yeah. I think, and I think I'm definitely going to watch The Grey Man because it's, you know, they've earned a lot of goodwill yeah. with everything they've done so far. And leading up to what they've done now, including this as well. Like there is some brilliance in this that I want to see expanded on, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like I say, it's not a badly shot film or yeah, and like they know when to 
they just, yeah, they just need to just relax a little bit. Yeah. It felt like they got a bit carried away at the start and then it petered out as it went on. Yeah. But um even yeah, like one yeah. thing one thing that I did wanna one one thing that uh, I don't when they said about uh you know we're in spoilers territory when when pills and coke gets shot yeah they just say oh we never know how he got shot yeah which is weird yeah it is like really know, weird I don't want to tell you it, it's it's weird it's junk it's a junkie turn story and it's like if he never found out then why would we find out as the audience yeah like, do you know what I mean I kind of get it. Um, it's one of those that it's like maybe he found out after the fact, but it's not relevant to this part of the story. So, it's like, if, if it's not relevant to what's happening in the, the here and now, which is me trying to score and help Emily out, then I'm not going to talk about it. So, I don't mm. know, how, I didn't know how he got shot, and so they you don't need to know how he got shot. The end, yeah. So, there is an internal logic to it, but I do, I agree, it's weird, <laughs> yeah. So, if if um, you had the opportunity to yeah televise this mm-hmm. how would you because i know like one of our things that we've started doing is how we would do it better yeah so how would you do it i guess it would be i mean like the the obvious thing to do like, would be like a three part or maybe a four part whereby you mm-hmm. have the initial an hour long um episode where it's the setup of him and emily um and then getting to know one another you have long episodes you know sequences of this almost like a um like an up style story if you like showing the the progression of relationship when it but then when it gets to the point where he tells her he loves her and she doesn't know how to deal with it and that that's an amazing scene in the film to be fair the way the way they play that off and the way they just they hold the camera on kira um I keep forgetting her name, um, on her face as she's reacting to him t- telling her that. And then eventually she then says, thank you, and then gets up and walks away. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's brutal, but it's just they they play it for just the perfect amount of time. You can see all the cogs turning in her head as she's thinking about how to respond to it. Um, but I feel that if you spend an hour on that, I would also give you time to do things like have full flashbacks with like the things to, like what happened with her parents. Yeah, you get like a little bit of it where she talks about she overheard her dad on the phone and then he threatened you know with potentially another woman he threatened her you you find out through anecdotal stuff you could spend more time on that you could have an actual scene you know that was a, a couple of minutes long that's you know cuts away from tom holland for a second and let's just find out a bit more about her that would be your first episode and that would end with him then going to basic yeah he goes off to basic. She goes off to um, Montreal, and that's the end of episode one. Episode two would then be basic training, and it would be the your full metal jacket jacket episode. And you could do it in that weird style with the um, do all the full metal jacket stuff they wanted to do, like all the words on the screen, all the uh, you know aspect ratio changes and all the rest of it but then every time it cuts back to the real world and you see emily going to university yeah it's like this is what's actually going on in basic it feels like this it feels like and like i I did like that sequence in the film where he talks about it feels like we're all just playing at being in the army yeah like that's yeah. that was quite cool and then suddenly they're all wearing these oversized going bang 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 bang, bang. and they're like yeah. it's like 
how silly it all feels that we're all just playing, you know, pretending to be the army. Um, but then it will be a good over an hour. You get to see how that tunnel vision happens and how you, the world got, you go from being in the real world down to being this very weird regimented um, yeah. military world. And it keeps cutting back to Emily in the real world and going full screen every time it does. Yeah. So that's episode that's two. Time. Episode three, Iraq. And it's a full-on war drama. Um, I'd say probably you do two episodes in Iraq then. You'd have one, you know, his initial popping his cherry and yeah. developing his relationship further with Hernandez, who you would have met in basic and like they develop their relationship, their friendship there. At the end of that third episode is when the the bomb the um IED goes off and Jimenez dies. Yeah. That is like, yeah, big cliffhanger sort of ending of episode three. Episode four then deals with the rest of his tour, whereby he's then having to be the um, medic for two battalions. Yeah. Um and yeah, and everything that comes with that, and you get to get more of some of the horrors he faced because it sort of it glosses over a lot of them. Um, in the film, you just see lots of bloodied faces and you see like there's a montage really of him talking to Emily on the phone whilst all these other things are happening at different times. So I actually spend a full episode on that. Then yeah. episode five would be him coming home and yeah. that initial first eight months of him coming home and the struggle that he has. End of episode five is him robbing the bank for the first time. Yeah. Um, after you've seen the slow over the over the course of an hour, you see the decline, how he first gets into using Oxycontin, and then he gets prescribed it. One thing leads to another, he robs a bank. And then the final, the sixth episode would be the continuing of robbing banks, the continued descent, and the uh, uh, final arrest arrest and his time in prison tying up to wherever you end it. That's a six-part series. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be really good. <sighs> genuinely yeah like i think it would have worked better as a series like, i know we say it with like a few things yeah but um i think this would have been served better for the simple for the simple amount of how much it does and what it does with um i don't know like with, with the way that it builds everything and sort of tells the stories and you know, it's it's a, it's a it's a pretty linear book. You know, it's not jumping around and you know to and from in time, but having it start, start, start told in a linear structure cohesively over time with the things coming in and out. Because what they don't explain is how his how innocently, I say innocently, how um, stupidly his oxy habit becomes from. Yeah, well, I mean, in, in the film, you see he's literally he's having a panic attack, and the guy, his friend, is there, who's got the oxycontin. Whether he's got that for a prescription or not, we're not sure. Yeah, and he's saying, "Are you all right?" He goes, "No, no, I'm not all right. Please help me." And he gives him a pill, and it helps it, and he just he can breathe, he can relax. He helps yeah. him out of his panic attack, and then that's it. Then the hooks are in, and the you know it all spirals from there. The addiction. Yeah. So I guess yeah, because it was something that was just fairly innocent. But in the book, mm. you know when he gets punched in the dick? Oh, yeah. That's it. Oh, what, either? But then he gets oxycontin. He gets, uh, he get he develops an infection oh, because right. he gets punched in the balls and his balls swell up. 
and so and because he's on a forward operating base they don't have like they're just like uh um have some morphine so just give him morphine <laughs> and that's it and it's like okay so that's how he he starts on that and then it goes on and on and on and on and he comes back and the the doctors are like um it's a combination. Like he asks if he can have oxycontin to one of his doctors because his doctor changes out. And then it's a case that he gets shut out by the doctor because the doctor's like, the war was over by then. And he's like, I, well, it wasn't like I was, I was cleaning up my friend's bodies and like, um, that scene that you see where Jimenez yeah. is in the IED. Yeah. The sergeant says, "Oh, we got some more. Uh, we need. We got some more. There's still some more of him in the in the in the Humvee." And he goes over to see what it is, and it's just this like this line of fat. Fuck. So he's like, "I didn't know what to do, so I just scooped it out of my fingers, rolled it up into a ball, and threw it into the river." Jesus. And it's like this is the guy that he was with, and he describes every like all these guys that he meets, and like how quickly they die. And then they say about um, like the horrors of this stuff, like the little girl pebbles, for example. Mm. And I think, yeah, like you say, being able to get, be able, be able to chew on this stuff more because, you know, it, it seems like this, this singular event that he sees that triggers the PTSD, whereas actually this, it's, not, it's a cumulative thing. It's this cumulative yeah. thing of constantly being on edge the whole time, but also being told to relax because you know, everything's okay. Going out and winning hearts and minds and people love you, except for when they're trying to blow you up or when this guy dies from an IED or when this guy loses both of his arms and a leg or yeah. both of his legs and an arm and half his face. Yeah. And that, I mean, the other thing it would give you more chance to, and it's like, so they just, they barely tap on is the sort of how the, the system and the military just doesn't look after people mm, and they've yeah. got they've got these little sly like fuck yous to like not only so the, the american medical system the american military and then also the banks themselves like are all partly to blame it seems they sort of they position you know that they're, they're all the bad guys in this like even like very early on even before he goes into the military there's the whole scene with him at the bank arguing with the bank teller saying that look i paid off my overdraft why are you still charging me yeah and it's this whole thing of yeah there's a problem with the way the banks are run because it gets people into debt and that's called that's a big cause of the opioid crisis and all the rest of it or a big factor and then it's then it's the military just like taking advantage of this young kid who's like oh my girlfriend broke up with me and they're they're bastards and then and then even to like when he's going back and um robbing the banks did you notice the um the signs of the banks yeah yeah, so you got like there's one where he goes in and it's got literally shitty bank is the name of the bank, and then there's one like uh, Bank of America, but they've replaced the word of with fucks, bank fucks yeah. America and that, stuff like that, and it's like never addressed, but this weird little satirical, and it's another one of those. That's another like stylistic choice you've made, but you're not following through on it. You're just yeah throwing it into the background because you thought it would be cool. It's like yeah, no, <laughs> if you're not going to address yeah, exactly. it, just don't do it. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's something like um, like sorry to bother you, like yeah. deals with like these really sort of satirical topics, and deals with these things in a really like interesting way, that absolutely throws it off, throws off like one thing from the next from the next because you're like oh it's about this guy that has to do a, 
you know, African-American guy that has to do his white guy voice to be a better salesman. But then it absolutely just escalates from there and it starts talking about some of the most like ridiculous things that you're like, oh, it's like um, things that are happening in the background that are gradually like ascending and you go, oh shit, I, I wasn't really ready for this. Like I knew that something was happening here and they're like, well, we'll pay off all your debts, but you have to come and work for us for the rest of your life and live in this facility that we've got, but you live there for free and we give you a salary. But those are the contemporary, like the, like you're saying, like the, the satirical parts that don't get followed up. No. Is that, and you can, you can do, if that's what you want to do, that's episode five. Yeah. Do it as an episode. And yeah, yeah. It, and it changes. And that's fine that the, it doesn't fit with what happened in the last episode because that is the conceit of this TV show. That you're you're changing genres every time, even though it's the same central character and the same story, it feels like his life is playing out in different genres. So you can yeah. play with those tropes, and that would work better. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. As always, we found a better way of doing things. <laughs> what, well, what we think is a better way, in our humble opinion, anyway. Uh, we yeah. sit here and and fucking uh, Monday, Tear apart. Mon- yeah, Monday night quarterback or whatever they call it, and just go, no, nah, they shouldn't have done it like that. They should have done it like this. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we didn't make the Avengers Endgame, did we? So fuck what we know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, that's the thing. Like, we're here just, you know, we're not being nasty or speaking ill. We're giving our opinion and seeing what we think yeah. we would do in a better way. These yeah. are the conversations that we would have off air. But, you know, we've now got microphones in front of us because... Correct. Because of these unprecedented times, partly. Because of these unprecedented times. True. But yeah, it's just, and we like doing podcasts. Yeah. But anyway, um, from what I can tell, like I, the other things I've seen, like anecdotally, people who've watched it seem to be really enjoying it. So I think it's it's going down better with audiences than it has with critics, generally speaking. Yeah. Um. So I would say if you're prepared for it to be, a, you know, an intense movie, if this is the kind of thing that you like then I'd say go for it. I think the, the biggest thing I could sort of contemporary-wise, I'd say, did you like Jarhead? Yeah. If you like Jarhead and and that is a film that you can get on board with, then this is probably something you can get on board with, basically. I think that's that's a fairly um, simple way of doing it. Um, but yeah, give it a try. We've obviously spoiled at this point, so you may not even still be here anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, and also just for the sake of Tom Holland, if you're a fan of Tom Holland and his work and you want to see him in a completely yeah. different light, then check it out. It's worth watching just for his performance, I'd say, um, regardless of all the other stuff. I think just just purely just to see the guy do his stuff and um just for the range that you well. saw. Yeah. yeah. Um uh, the pair of them are unreal and they've got a lot more to give in years to come, but this is definitely a, a defining sort of performance for his career as it currently stands. Um so it's worth seeing what the guy can do um and it will it'll help you see him in a different light not just spider-man he's got more to him than that yeah um yeah so that's it anything yeah. else that you want to say uh oh well yeah one that i did um read an interview with tom holland and he said that he would never do anything like this again oh that's a shame that's what i was just saying that he should do <laughs> uh-huh. i think it was just a case of like yeah he put himself through a load of shit for it didn't he yeah, um, basically I, the hell that he put himself through because he's a light guy anyway. Yeah. And he lost like 30 pounds. Yeah. 
so like almost 15 kilos for this film yeah um which was involved like he went to see his trainer and his trainer basically and his trainer said you um need to eat 500 calories a day and run 10 miles a day if you need to lose 30 pounds in this amount of time and he was like i don't recommend you do it but we will have doctors on hand to check you constantly to make sure that you're not going to die. Um, and it's like, he did a thing that was dubbed the water diet. Yeah. See, that's not good. Like, I think that's, it's becoming, it's coming out of style now or out of, you know, cause there was a time when that was like the mark of a, of a proper actor, wasn't it? It was the Christian Bale thing yeah. where it was like look how much weight can you lose or gain for this particular role and that's that's how good an actor you are it's like i think people are starting to realize now i think christian christian bale was the guy for it wasn't he and he's now sort of recently come out and said look i understand how unhealthy it is to do this i'm not doing it anymore um, yeah so i hope that tom holland saying that means that he won't i mean you know much as there's commitment to your craft but don't make yourself unhealthy for the purposes of my entertainment, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, if you want exactly. to throw yourself out of a plane for my entertainment, go right ahead, Tom Cruise. <laughs> but don't go on weird diets. That's where I draw the line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if that, yeah, as long as that's that's what Tom what um Tom's saying in terms of he'll never do something like this again, and he's talking about the physical transformation, that's cool because I would hope that he would take on a part that is as challenging and that, that gives him the kind of range that this does. Um, but yeah. just not necessarily have to put himself through a load of physical hardship in order to do it. Horrible physical transformation. Yeah, there's no need for that. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. But interestingly, like, okay, yeah, we can talk about this forever. But yeah, let's let's wrap up now because we've been going for an hour and a half, I think. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> um, so thanks for listening, guys. Um, All right. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Tom, if you found this one a struggle and you thought this was long, you're in for a slog for the next one, mate. Oh, shit. What we got? You know what we got? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Okay. I've, I've said this before. I'm going to say it on air now. If you want to veto and not do it, it's okay. I completely understand. Look, we've, we're too far gone for me not to be able to do it now. No. No one's expecting anything. No one cares. No, it's fine. No, I'm going to do it because otherwise I'm not giving an objective opinion. Look, I'm not no, giving it. I'm, gonna, everyone's going to just, you know, watch it and then have their view confirmed no matter what. That's what's going to happen with this thing. Yeah. Everyone's already, so you've, gonna... you've already made up your mind about it. I've already made my mind up about it. <laughs> Look, I will... Go in with an open mind, as Will I do you? with most things. Yeah, like I'm gonna. There's obviously a bias that I'm gonna have, but yeah. at the same time, like if this film can change my mind, if it is this revolutionary change that everyone's been banging on about and desperate for, then fine. I will put my hands up and I will say I was wrong. But if it turns out it's dog shit, then it turns out it's dog shit. I'm not gonna apologize either way. If I think it's bad. Okay. If I think it's good, I'll be like, well, you know what? I was wrong. But it's fine. Okay. I'll do it. Okay. 
We'll see. I owe it to the fans. I owe it to you. <laughs> you don't owe me nothing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a unique thing that's happened within our... It happened, like we were saying before, it happens generationally, it seems to happen, you know, with the Donner Cut and now with the Snyder Cut. And, yeah. Did, did it hurt you to say that just now? I can feel it did, didn't it? What's that? That you said when you said the words. Oh, the Snyder Cut. Yeah. No, I like I've softened on it as we've gone on. To be honest, yeah. like I just wanna, I wanna see it and I wanna get it done because if I don't watch it, I'm never gonna have an objective opinion, and I'm always just gonna be moaning. Yeah. And if and if I watch it once, it's done. It's done. Yeah. I don't need to. We don't need to address it again. We don't need to keep having the same conversation that we've had for the last three four years it's been well since they i think we've had the conversation only in as much as when they announced that there was actually going to happen i think that we you and i never really had held much stock in it because i was like well they're never actually going to let him do it are we? we're never actually going to see it and it was yeah. you know a few you know however many months ago was well, six months ago where they went oh no actually we are gonna show the snyder cut i'm like oh fuck they're actually gonna do it okay yeah. Then it became when it once it became a reality, then the conversation changed. Up till then, it was just well, they fucked up the Justice League film, didn't they? And let's all move on. <laughs> yeah. That's like most people in the world. That's the, how most people saw it. There were the, this crazy minority who re- released the Snyder Cut nut jobs, who apparently got their their way um, through a number of circumstances, which we'll talk about at the time. But um, yeah, here we are. So we'll see. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Go we'll on. talk about this off air. I was going to say, but about the approach that do you think that this is going to suffer from the same sort of hype that WandaVision did? There's going to be a big drop in expectations, or do you think that there is already going to be, as you said before, like this instilled fact that just because it's happened, people are going to say they're going to love it, even if it's tripe? There'll be an element of that. I think there'll definitely be an element of that, and you're starting to see that already. Um, like, you know, the people, the reviews and embargoes have lifted on it. Oh, really? Um, and generally speaking, like, fan reviews are, like, overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, outlet reviews are more, you know, just, it's all right. Do you know what I mean? Whereas the book yeah. for the fans is everything they've ever wanted and it's and more. This is amazing. This is the best thing. And it's like, well, it's a director's cut that only exists because of the fans. So if it makes them happy, it's kind of succeeds. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not a film that's meant to be for, for mass consumption. It's a four-hour, you know, mm. cut for the for the released on a streaming service for the fans. So Yeah. Um I've got my, uh, yeah, I do want to talk about go on. Go on. No, yeah, you say. No, I'll save my bit for the podcast. My thing is, yeah, all I want it to be is better than what we got. And by all accounts, it sounds like that that is the case. So fine. That's literally, that's my only, I don't care if fucking Martian Mountain turns up or, you know, I don't care if any of these things happen. I'm not that, like, as much as I am a DC fan, I'm not that bothered. All I want is a film that's better than that shit. Like, I'm still blown away by the crap that came out in 2017 and the fact they they allowed that to be shown blows my fucking mind um, yeah so i just want something better than that I want something better i do want to see like an empire of dreams-esque three-hour documentary on this oh yeah 
because I really want to see like a really like unbiased conversation about this. But the thing is, they can't. It's so, they, but they can't because it's obviously going to be NDA'd up to the arsehole. But also, just it's... yeah, the, the yeah the the conversation about what went on with Joss and what yeah. an arsehole he was, and just like yeah, you can't yeah. And I think yeah, there's so much baggage with it. That's the problem. But I just want to once we actually see it in front of us, I just want to be able to judge it for what it is, um, mm. and try to keep that baggage out of it. But it will be difficult, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that sort of again, I sort of softened on it and try not to judge it too harshly. Things like Zach and Deborah Snyder have done it together. It's their thing they worked on, you know, for all these years. They've now put this out and they've dedicated it to their daughter Autumn, mm. who passed away through they lost through suicide, which is why one of the reasons why Zach walked away from the production in the first place. Yeah, and they've dedicated it to her. And it's like, okay. Do you know, you can't really get too shitty with someone about it when that's the context, and it's this sort of yeah, this collaborative thing that these this couple have been working on, and they've finally got to share it with everybody because of the fan outcry for it and support they had. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Well, we'll save that for this weekend when we. <laughs> yeah. If we can um, watch it this weekend. Yeah, is, we'll watch it's... it whenever I when I can. Um, but yeah. we'll see. Yeah, anyway, well, we'll thanks. catch up on it. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you on Snyder Cut, where we will talk about it some more. <laughs> yeah. Still. Still. Hopefully for the last time. For the final time, I promise. <laughs> cool. Until they um, restore the Snyderverse and then we get his sequels. But we'll talk about we'll that. Get the we- we'll get the full weed and cut. He's, he's fucking quiet now, isn't he? <laughs> he fucking wants to be. Yeah. Cunt. 